Hi, welcome back to Pineapple Reels. I'm your host, Nia. And on today's episode, I'll be covering writer and director Nate Parker's film, American Skin, which came out on January 15th of 2021. This film is about a Marine veteran who's working as a school janitor who tries to mend his relationship with his son after a divorce. When his son is killed by a police officer who's found innocent without standing trial, he takes matters into his own hands. Stay tuned. As usual in all of my episodes of this of this podcast, a spoiler alert, if you have not watched American Skin and you don't want the movie or ending ruined, I would suggest going ahead and watching the film before you listen to this podcast. There isn't an exact pinpoint that I can give this alert for, it's just a blanket term for this episode. In general for this film, before I go into detail, I think it was... An amazing film by Nate Parker. I think that the writing was very well. I liked the dialogue between the characters. I liked that it was a a documentary style of film. That way you get more real raw emotion um, in it compared to a typical movie. I think that the casting was done very well. The young man that played his son, Kejani, his name is uh, Tony Espinosa. I think he did a very good job playing playing his character. Um, the relationship between Nate, uh, Nate Parker's character, Link, and his son, I think was really nice. It was great to see a black father and son relationship on screen that was well. It was nice that it wasn't some type of stereotypical relationship where the father's absentee or um, how, is in a life of crime. I, I do I do like that they made his father a very prominent man in this, in this uh, movie, being a war veteran. Shane Paul McGee, who plays Jordan King, the film student in this film, um, who was previously in Unbelievable and Greenleaf. I liked his character. Um, I think he did a very good job of playing that role as well. And Mo McRae, who played one of the inmates who was previously in Den of Thieves and Almost Family. I like to see him in another role. I think that he did a very good job of playing that that character as well. Um and since it's a documentary, you know, you're wanting to you're wanting the actors obviously to make it feel authentic and real. And it definitely lets you fall into that belief that this is truly a quote unquote like found footage film or documentary style film. And uh, they don't drop the ball on that, which I like with the camera angles. And like I said, the dialogue too. It's truly believable um, as a film. The film starts off with dash cam footage from a squad car. And in the video, we see Nate Parker's character, Lincoln Jefferson, and his son, Kejani Jefferson. And they are pulled over by two officers, and the officer says that he pulled them over because he thinks they are speeding. Uh, Link is very compliant during the whole situation. His hands are on the steering wheel. His son's hands are on the dashboard. Every time he makes an action or movement, he de- he tells the officer, I'm reaching in my glove compartment for my uh, registration. I have my license right here. I'm reaching over my 14-year-old son to get this out of the glove compartment. Uh, when he gives the police officers his information, the officer one of the officers lets him know, hey, your insurance is out. Did you know that? It's expired now. 
And Lincoln is shocked and he says, well, that must be an old copy. This car is definitely insured. So the officer makes Lincoln get out the car and he complies. He gets out the car and the other officer who's on the passenger side of the car next to Kejani uh, sees Kejani reaching for something. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, it's a cell phone. His dad's screaming, it's a cell phone. That's all he had. It's a phone. And the officer keeps telling the kid, you know, like, stop recording, drop drop the phone, and his hand's on his gun. And as the kid gets out, he has a weapon drawn on the child, and it's just a lot of commotion. It's the father screaming and pleading for his child to just drop the phone. Who cares? Just let it go. It doesn't matter right now. The officer's yelling at him to comply. The other officer's yelling as well, as still making sure that Kejani's father is, you know, not doing anything as well. And in the scuffle, as Kejani is trying to walk around the, the squad car, one of the officers shoots Kejani three times, or we hear three gunshots, rather. And so for me, I didn't realize how triggering this scene was. And I think it's from seeing so many real videos of black and brown men uh, pulled over or routine check and it ends in violence so it was a lot I didn't realize it until again like I saw this scene and I told my friend who recommended the movie to me my friend Drea I was telling her this from the trailer alone I was like you know I didn't realize how triggering that scene was for me because Yes, it's a film, but the entire time I was watching it, I was just like, I just want them to make it home. I want them to be okay. I want them to be safe. Like, how did this seemingly small situation grow into something as big as someone's losing their life tonight? And that's definitely part of what the film is trying to do and highlight is this shouldn't be happening, especially when no one's done anything wrong in the situation. Now, this film focuses on uh, Jordan King's character, who's played by Sean Paul McGee, who's previously in Unbelievable and Greenleaf. And he is a 21-year-old student filmmaker. And he, along with two of his friends, are filming a documentary about what happened to Kejani and his father that night over about over a year ago. And so the movie starts out after that dash cam footage of them at Lincoln's home and they're just talking to him regarding the situation that happened. They ask him, how was Kijani as a kid, you know, and um, Lincoln just lets him know, you know, he's a very fun, happy kid, likes to make jokes and play around all the time. And you know, we see videos of him and it just shows Kijani in such a beautiful light. And again, this makes you empathize with this man of he lost his 14-year-old boy, this boy who barely had a chance at life. Um, well, had a, barely had a barely had time to live life, rather I should say, and it just hurts because his father was doing all the right things. He pulled him out of a not so great school situation with the public school system and put him into a private school. His dad was humbled and went ahead and took a job at this private school to get his his son to able to get in because the homes cost too much. They started at millions of dollars and. As Lincoln says at one point in interviews, like, you know, the only way to get into school was to either have a home here or work here. And the home started at a million dollars. So that wasn't going to work for me. So I went ahead and got a job here as a janitor, which 
I thought it was beautiful. And I think this shows that with blue collar families, the sacrifice and how much hard work that parents do for their children to have a better life. Knowing that, yes, your child can go to a public to a public school and get, get a decent or somewhat passing education, or they can go to a private school and have a better chance of actually graduating high school, going to college, maybe even getting a scholarship. And um, during this interview, there are a lot of things that Lincoln says that I think were just like, man, that's some really good writing. And uh, in particular regarding coming back from deployment and his term of service ending, And so what Lincoln says is, he said, and people don't really talk about the thing you face when you come home, financial hardships, dealing with unemployment and problems trying to get help from Veterans Affairs. You know, all that stuff can hurt your pride. It just, it really took a toll on all of us. And us is regarding his marriage. You know, he did two tours in Iraq, 21 months in total, and he was an infantry rifleman. So... He's probably seen a lot, had to do a lot, but you know he went over there, did what he was, what he had to do, came home, did his job, uh, served his time, and I, I'm a military child. I come from two military parents. My mother and father did both, uh, Army and Air Force. Uh, they they've been deployed multiple times. My sister is in the Air Force. My brother served in the Navy. My uncle and aunt were in the service. Like we're just a family of most people go into the military and um you know and I I've dated soldiers as well too so I do like that they put a highlight on this because I feel like civilians and people who have no military ties whatsoever just assume that all soldiers are taken care of no problem and I like that they highlighted the other side of that of, you know, not everybody gets taken care of. Some people have to, and this is what I hear more often than not, they have to really fight tooth and nail to get a certain percentage that they need from Veterans Affairs. It's not a walk in the park. They may get denied. Um, they may not get the fun- funding that they need, or it takes too long for them to get the funding that they need. And some of these soldiers have real problems. They physically cannot do anything. So they can't just hop up and get a job somewhere. They're needing their country that they fought for and served for to back them and take care of them. And Kejani, um, not Kejani, Lincoln's character, he doesn't have PTSD or anything like that. He was one of one of the lucky people that didn't have anything happen to him and he was fine. And... I like that they didn't play into the classic trope of he has PTSD because um, there are people that do not have it. There are people that they are able to cope or deal or understand that they need help and they're able to vocalize that. And there are the other ones that need help and they're not able to vocalize that. You know, it's and I only can empathize so much because I have, myself have not served in the military and I'm only going off of what I've heard other people tell me personally that I've known or that I've dated or that are my family members. We get a chance to see Kejani's bedroom and along the walls see a lot of prominent black figures. There's a, a picture of Malcolm X on the wall and Lincoln tells them that you know his son had a 
a, a, a deep interest in his history and his roots and like to know what happened in the past as well as right from wrong and we really get a first look at that when there's a scene where Kejani is video calling a friend of his and they're speaking about the law and Kejani tells his friend that technically and legally that if you have not done anything wrong and an officer tries to detain you, you have the right to resist. And his father comes in just at that time that he says that when when Kijani, when Kijani hears that, and um, he tells him that yes, well, as the book is technically right, that that book wasn't written with people like us in mind, and that that doesn't apply to him, and. Kejani is obviously confused and very argumentative saying that that doesn't make sense and that this is the law and this is how it should work. And it just goes into that into that part of, you know, having to have that quote unquote conversation or the talk with your children. If you are in black and brown communities about how certain things may or may not apply to them or that they may have to walk or move differently in this earth to be accepted or to not be uh, singled out or chastised. And we see Kejani's spirit break a little bit by hearing his father's words. And I think because he doesn't want to believe them. Kejani wants to believe that he is equal to everyone, especially with how he's growing up in today's society, which is not too far-fetched for him to be thinking. So I do like that he pulled his son aside along with his friend, to have that conversation with him of, hey, I just want to let you know, I know what, what the law is and you are absolutely correct, but I also want you to be safe because if it means you coming home, then yes, I want you to yield or keep your mouth closed. Yes, ma'am, no, sir, because I would, I would rather have my son home safe and sound versus in jail or worse over something that is a minor incident. The day that the family is waiting for is finally here. It's the day that we're going to know the answer that we're going to get. If the cop is going to be found guilty or not guilty. Now, while outside, there are protesters. There is one group chanting Justice for Kijani, and the other group is chanting Back to Blue. And it was a very short little little segment of the movie but it shows you that you know this one group of people is they're saying you know we just want justice for this young man's life or excuse me young boy's life that was taken too soon and for no reason and it's kind of hard in my opinion to stand there and you're basically telling this these people who lost their child because at the end of the day a child was killed and you have this other people that are chanting back the blue, but it's like they're not realizing, hey, at the end of the day, a child was shot and killed. We should really analyze and think about that, that a child was killed. If that was your child, would you want someone chanting back the blue? Would you want someone chanting justice for Kejani or justice for whatever your child's name is? Now, unfortunately, we find out on the news that the cop was found not guilty and that no charges were filed on top of the cop was able to immediately return to active duty. Now, this verdict obviously rocks his fa- rocks the family of Lincoln and 
hurts Lincoln as well. Lincoln uh, is at a, at a house of his friend and some of his family members, and he's punching a wall and crying. You know, it's just like, damn, you know, even in death, my son's not going to get any justice for what's happening. And after this verdict, this causes riots in the city as the community is fed up, you know, of what happened. And later at the mother's house, the police captain is trying to coerce the mother to address the community and calm them down. He wants her to, to, to make a comment on TV, and this is shortly after the verdict of her, of her son's killer, and he wants her to come on TV and let them know to, hey, calm down, and this isn't the way, and this isn't what Kejani would want. It, tearing up the season, bring my son back. And this she's hurting. This mother is hurting. She lost her one and only baby who, you know, didn't even get a chance to even to dawn adulthood. And she tells the officer, you know, do you have kids? And he says, yes, I have two, I do have two girls. And she's like, are they breathing? Because if, if they are, you have no idea the pain I am feeling right now. And I think she does just a, such a good job of, conveying that emotion you know I wanted to reach out and 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 touch her hand and in her time in need and the there's a cousin at the house and he's recording it and he's rightfully so upset at the death of his young cousin he's emotional and he gets upset by the captain's words to his auntie and he starts yelling and as he does two other officers that are by the front door put their hands on their weapons seemingly immediately and he turns the camera on to himself. He's like, are you guys seeing this? I'm in my aunt's house. I'm not doing nothing wrong. I have no gun on me. And these two off- these two cops see me as a threat in my aunt's own home. Like, are you kidding me right now? And, you know, after an incident like that just happened, you would think that, you know, they would think twice about putting their hands in their weapons. The first thing when something like this happened, an incident happens... Or when someone gets emotional, your weapon shouldn't be drawn first. So I do like that in this film, they do address uh, the excessive use of drawing your weapon in this in the with with the uh, with police officers. The next scene shows Tayana on TV asking for the riots to stop. Now Omar, who's played by Omari Hardwick, while watching her on the news, says, "See, that's what they do." They figure if the mother isn't ready to see the city burn for her ch- child, then everyone will follow suit. Now, while Lincoln and Jordan, along with the film crew, are driving one day, Lincoln lets them know that Tiana filed a petition to get the police chief dismissed. And they stop at what Lincoln calls a friend's house, only to only to have him emerge several minutes later with the chief of police. He tells the film crew to keep filming as they want to make a documentary. He pushes him in the car and they drive off to what we find out later is the police station. He hands them a bulletproof vest and tells them that no matter what, that they need to keep filming what's going on. They want a documentary and he's going to give it to them. Lincoln and his few friends suit up and they take over the police station, taking everyone inside as hostages. While inside in an interrogation room, Lincoln has isolated the very officer who killed his son. He sits in front of him, places a gun on the table and asks if he's scared. 
Jordan tells Link that this isn't the way and that it will only make things worse. Later on, a negotiator tries to ask Link what he wants. And repeatedly, Link states to the phone that he wants his son. He said, I want my son, I want my son, I want my son, I want my son. And that until they can give him his son, he's not stopping. And he proceeds to smash the phone into small pieces until it's broken. His ex-wife's video calls him and to see where he is and if he's okay. And she tries her very best to convince him to give up as she as he is the only thing she has left. And she needs him to stay alive and come back to her. She tells him that they can start over and figure it out together. And their call is cut short by the negotiators that they cut into the phone call and they let them they let Lincoln know that he won't be able to make any more phone calls in or out and that he needs to uh, communicate with them. And their efforts are falling on deaf ears. Lincoln already tried it the legal way. He tried it the way that the system is supposed to work. He was an upstanding citizen. He fought for his country. He uh, put his son in a better school environment. He's doing his very best, his absolute best as a father. And it's like his very best still wasn't good enough because his son still ended up getting shot by a police officer. Lincoln has everyone rounded up. The cops are cuffed to the desk and he tells everyone that they will be holding a trial against Officer Mike Randall, a fair one. He and a few of his men leave the room and return with some non-violent inmates, six of them, and six everyday uh, citizens to act as the jury. They are to deliberate and review the facts from the trial paired with testimony. Now, when Lincoln says that they're going to have another trial, the officers, you know, obviously... Officer Mike Randall is also obviously saying like, hey, I already was tried for this. I was found not guilty. And uh, Officer Dominique Rayer, who's played by Theo Rassi, is objecting to this the whole time. I mean, like, what are you doing? This is not how this how things like this work. And Lincoln's like, well, we're going to do it all over again since I don't think that everything was properly done. The facts weren't looked at. So we're going to review everything. And I like this. I like that it was a fair... To me, it was a fair trial. It was definitely a group of extremely diverse people and uh, that have different opinions and thoughts. So I did like that. I like this theory. It was uh, it was pretty cool to see. And Lincoln acts as a prosecutor. Um, and the mouthy, the mouthy cop acts as a lawyer for Officer Randall. Uh, a lot of people were surprised by Lincoln's doing of this, but they're willing to be fair and do their part. And Lincoln asked them if everybody can be fair in the in the matter of judgment. And one of the inmates, he says, like, are you for real? You're going to let all of us decide what happens to a cop? Do you know where I'm from and what I've seen them do, what they've done to me? And that uh, inmate was played by Mo McRae. And Lincoln just asked everyone in return, hey, no matter what the consequences are, can you guys be fair? And the inmate replies, as well as everybody else, you know, he's willing to do what needs to be done. The trial starts and it starts with Link questioning Officer Randall. And he asks him to give a retelling of why he pulled him over that night. In his testimony at the court, Officer Randall had said on record that he pulled him over due to them speeding. But when Link asked him what this post of speed was, he couldn't remember. 
and Link went into badgering him with questions of saying or statements saying, you know, I know that it's it's a 25 mile per hour because I've been thinking about it the entire time of was I going that speed or was I not going the speed? And the officer that was with him, he couldn't remember the, the speed either if it was 45 or 50 saying, how am I supposed to remember it over a year ago? And one of the jurors asked, you know, did you if did you clock him or if you weren't able to clock his speed, why did you pull him over? And Officer Randall finally breaks and says that he did indeed racially profile them and that he pulled them over because he saw two black men in an old beat up car in a, in a quote unquote affluent neighborhood. He goes into saying, you want us to keep you safe? We do so by traffic stops, which is just his way of trying to justify the reason, the reasoning for what he did. But it's as if he's forgetting that he just admitted to racially profiling some profiling somebody who did and has done nothing wrong. And even during the incident, when um, when KJ is shot, and the father catches him and he's holding him. The other officer, he has his gun on his gun belt as if it's going to happen. And that really stuck out to me when I was watching it. I was like, hmm, I mean, this man is clearly struggling right now. You just shot his son in front of him and he's crying. And the first thing you're doing is to thinking to keep a gun on him or keep your hand on your holster in case something happens. And I just found that rather odd. I also didn't like that they said that the protocol after a shooting is that the officer goes home. I like the one the inmates had said, you know, that's for you guys to get your get your story straight. And it's like, yeah, if you just took the life of somebody, you're supposed to give a statement. Like everybody who was a witness needs to give a statement immediately so that they don't have incorrect facts later on with what they uh, with their eyewitness account. After a very emotionally charged moment in the police station, one of the inmates that was serving as a juror as a juror lunges at his intake officer, beating him and yelling at him for arresting him on a BS charge. The officer calls him a gangster piece of shit and says that's why he got a beating in the first place. When one of uh, his uncles bends down to help the police officer get back into his seat, the officer grabs his gun from his holter and fires trying to trying to hit Lincoln, but he misses, and there's a struggle for the gun. And in the end, his uncle ends up getting shot in the midst of all the commotion. Now, luckily, the shot is through and through, and Omar tells Lincoln, hey, like, we got to go to the hospital. It's pretty bad. And his uncle stops and says, you know, like, I, I've had my time and I've had my years, but you need to do, you know, what you need to do with the situation to handle it how you need. So I liked that the uncle was like, you know, I, I, me and my, and, and what's going on with me right now doesn't matter. Like you have more important matters at hand and you need to end this in the way that you need to for proper closure. So I liked that the uncle kind of took an L just to, you know, give him that, give him that moment and just, you know, take a step back and let him have that. They removed the juror that was that had lunch at the police officer, and now they have to replace him. To which Lincoln turns to Jordan and tells him that he's going to now have to be a jury member. And Jordan doesn't want to do it, but he doesn't actually have a choice. So the jury goes into deliberation over the facts and if they think the cop was at fault. 
One of the jurors states that it's not simple and plain that an officer's reputation is on the line and that killing a kid must be very traumatic. And another juror states that it must be traumatizing seeing your child killed in front of you. After much liberation, the jury finds him guilty. Link and the other officers. After some deliberation, the jury finds the officer guilty. Link has him kneel before him and tells him to video call his wife and son to say his goodbyes. He pulls a gun out and holds it to his head. Everyone in the room freaks out. And he pulls a trigger and there's a loud click of an empty chamber. Link walks away and goes to the room and he starts taking off his bulletproof vest and he starts to unholster his weapon. And Jordan asked him, you know, like, what's going on? Like, are you done? He's like, oh, that's all I wanted. Like, I got what I wanted. And he said, you did all this for the police officers to see your point? And he says, no. He said, I did all this for the world to see. And... As they're uh, all leaving the office, since they're all, you know, now everything's over and everybody's able to go out and back into the world, Officer Randall comes up to Link and says, you know, if it's it's all right with you, I'd like to walk you out. Like, I need to walk you out. And Link gives him a nod and says, okay, you know, and, and gives him that opportunity to do that. And as they're walking out, the students go first. And they all walk out their hands up through the turnstile and Lincoln looks up at the security camera. And as they're coming out, Officer Randall says, I have Lincoln Jefferson here. Uh, He's unarmed. He's coming out. And as he's saying that, the team outside still opens fire and they shoot Lincoln in the head. This part just killed me because part of me thought, you know, Link is a smart man. He probably knows that this is going to happen. And then part of me was thinking, you know, he got what he needed. He got the officer to admit wrongdoing. He got other people to see, look at the evidence. It's very clear that this makes no sense. It's a, a wrongful, a wrongful death. And so he got probably what he wanted. And it just really hurt me because I was just like, so you'd rather see this man dead than just behind bars. Not one person was injured in the situation. Um, that was a police officer. So I could see the, I would think that the police station was there as a win. Um, it, everybody turned themselves in apparently. So for Lincoln to have to lose his life, it was just like, damn, like, I really, really wanted him to pull through. But obviously, Nate Parker decided to make that decision for a reason. Now, once the movie is wrapping and the news channel comes on, they're talking about the story. They are painting a picture that Lincoln's character is this uh, war veteran that has PTSD and went crazy and uh, held up the police station and was trying to, you know, hurt people or kill people. And it just really sucked that they're paying this ugly narrative and trying to make him a stereotype. This man that was not just seemingly good on paper, but was actually good in real life. And that in a matter of a few minutes that they are tarnishing his reputation. And then 
I liked how they slipped that into after Don't That Story has slipped into into sports. And they're talking about basketball. And uh, I remember the guy's name, like Mark, Mark Wavian or something. It was just like, wow, I see where it's, you know, we're entertaining if we're doing something like playing a sport or singing a song or rapping. But uh, and that's when we matter. But we don't matter when it's a real life situation such as this. There were two quotes in this movie that I wanted to go back to. And the first one is what Lincoln's character says when he's on the phone with his ex-wife, Tayana. And what he says is, why do we have to do it peacefully? Why are we the only people in this country that are expected to do things without violence? You know what white people do when they are cross? They kill people. They don't march. They don't protest. They don't ask for permission. They don't ask no questions. They react with force. I love that quote so much. And clearly with the recent events that happened in America, it 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 definitely shows even i was talking to my father about this about uh how is rioting different than when your favorite hockey or football or baseball team wins or loses and your response is to go tear up your city that doesn't make any sense to you where's the just where's the justification in that you're going over something crazy and I mean, like the timing of of events of this movie came out on the 15th and the events that happened in the Capitol only happened barely a week prior to that. Very, very uncanny, the similarities with that. And the last quote I wanted to talk about was said by Jordan's character. And he says, great nations aren't great because they oppress, but because they liberate, not because they kill, but because they heal. So would I recommend American Skin? And the answer is a quick yes. I watched this film twice and the first time I thoroughly enjoyed it, I thought it was very well acted, well written, it flowed very nicely. I liked the documentary style of filming. It gave better insight of why we would why would we would be able as an audience to see some behind the scenes type of information. Um I like that they you you got to see hear both sides of an argument or or a conversation rather. Um, I think this was another good movie created by Nate Parker. He did a good job writing it and directing it. I watched this film on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's a rental fee of six ninety nine, so it's not that expensive, and you get the rental for a twenty four hour period. So I think it's definitely definitely worth worth the watch. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Pineapple Reels. On the next episode, I'll be talking about 2020's Promising Young Woman. I saw this film back um, on December 28th, and uh, it was highly anticipated for me. It was on the top of my top of my watch list, and I've heard so many good things about it. So I am extremely excited to be able to talk about it next time on the podcast.